You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Let's look in your Bibles here tonight, if you will. Psalm 46. I don't know about you, but there are just... There's three or four psalms that when I'm in trouble, I run to. Truly, I do. And I'll quote the verses. Sometimes I'll break them open and read them. Uh, But I have some of them so thoughtful in my heart and mind that their thoughts just come up to me so readily. Psalm 46 is one of those. This past week, um, I'm in my Bible reading, and I'm going through the psalms. And uh, I, I happened upon Psalm 46. I did some study on it. I just looked up some thoughts about it. Man, my heart just got so full. And when you study the Word of God, that's what will happen when you uh, kind of break it down. God, when it breaks down, puts it into your heart to fit you and in, in your circumstances and the things that you happen to be going through. And man, that's what He did for me. I so appreciated it so much. Um, let's, let's look, if you will, at Psalm 46 and begin following along there. Ken actually quoted one of the verses out of this today before he sang his song. But um, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Now notice uh, a repeat of verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Let's pray. God, thank you again for letting us be in the Word of God tonight. It's always encouraging to hear how you blessed us, Lord, and provided in so many ways um, health items, uh, provisions, circumstances that you worked out for us this week and just getting to hear about those things Lord um, just very encouraging to hear that tonight and I would pray Lord that you'll bless in your own word tonight would you help us to see what you're saying God would you look into our hearts tonight and I personally obviously don't know what everybody is experiencing tonight or what they may be going through but I know you are intimately involved with every one of us And you know what is in our hearts and minds, and you know uh, what the need in our heart is. And so I'm asking you to be that refuge and strength that we need tonight. 
and bless and help and encourage us with it, we pray. I'll give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. What to remember when trouble comes knocking. That's what I've titled this message tonight. What to remember when trouble comes knocking. We had a lot of hot dogs around our household. Oh, probably about 22 miles of them. If you put them end to end, we just, uh, they, they're cheap, they're quick. And, um, and you can get them ready uh, in, in a snap, pretty much, you know. And um, so I know most of the time we, we microwave most of our stuff nowadays, but we actually put water in a pan and put it on the stove. You guys ever done that? <laughs> Still do that today at all. And uh, so Yvette was doing that, and um, uh, we were having supper one night. We are trying to get things put together quickly, and hot dog buns were on the table, uh, mustard was on the table, and that's about all you need with hot dogs. Anything else makes a hot dog stink. So just a good squirt of mustard, about four inches thick, and I'm good to go. And, um, and the paper plates were out, and we were just about ready for hot dogs that night. And Yvette had, the, the, they'd just gotten to boiling, and they boiled for a minute or two, and so they were ready to go. And so we were calling everybody to the table, and as Yvette was bringing the pan off the stove, still roiling and boiling, and brought it off the stove and was carrying it over to the table, um, one of my middle daughters went darting underneath uh, Yvette with the pot of, of boiling water. And uh, the natural reaction was she's going to run into this pan of hot water. And so Yvette picked it up quickly to get it out of the way. And when she did that, the water tipped up and spilled over onto Candace's arm. And the screams went up and I saw what had happened. And um, you know, instantly, you, what, what, what do you do? I've heard of all kinds of things that people do, but I, I heard that you need to get um, the burn to cool down. You don't put ice on it, just uh, deepens the burn, they say. But I, I scooped her up as quickly as possible, ran over to the sink and turned the cool water on. And I'll never forget, um, as that cold water hit the spot where the burn was, that top layer of skin just peeled off into the sink from... Um, I, I, I don't know what you would, which burn you would call that first, second, and third. Is third the worst? It's probably a first degree burn, and that top layer of skin just had, um, what do they call that, blanched? <laughs> if you're blanching vegetables, her arm got blanched, and that, that top layer of skin just peeled off right now. And so <laughs> Candace was screaming. Yvette was really, really feeling so very bad and had picked up the phone to call 911. And, uh, and I'm like, uh, honey, I, I, I'll take her to the doctor. Let me just run her to the doctor. I'll, I'll be okay. And I think we had 911 dialed and then hung it up. I don't remember. So um, yeah, we, uh, we, we got all the way to the hospital and Candace had something in her hand or something at the time. And, and she just was squeezing her hand like this the whole way there, crying and screaming. And and we got there, and they literally had to peel her little hands open. And they, of course, it was a, it was a tough burn. It was a hard burn. Um, but they put the ointment on it and wrapped it up, and, and we came back home. I can't remember if Yvette came up there or not. I remember our next-door neighbor across the street showed up as the nurse, was able to help calm you down. Is that what it was? Candace was fine. Yvette needed the attention in the, the emergency room. 
And we were quite concerned about her, and we didn't know how bad she was until we got home. And as soon as she got into the door, Candace went across the living room floor in a cartwheel, a one-armed cartwheel, and we knew that she was fine after that. But I don't know if you have ever had something really traumatic, something really big happen to you, and, and uh, you, you've had training for whatever it was. Uh, you've been told in the past what to do. Uh, if, if this happens or if that would happen to you, uh, whatever it might be, maybe someone has a heart attack, would you know how to do the CPR if you've had the training? And uh, so in the Christian life, honestly, guys, there are, there's training that God gives to the Christian when trouble comes knocking at the door. If you can remember what to do, it works so well. If you don't remember what to do, or if you shove it to the back of your mind, if the instructions that God gives us is really and truly just kind of something that you sat under a Sunday school class on and you really didn't give a lot of attention to it, you heard it, and after the lesson you probably could have shared the lesson with somebody else. But as far as that reaching your heart, maybe sometimes uh, the things we heard from God just didn't really sink in. Well, that only lasts about one or two times before you get it. I need to know what to do when bad things really happen. And I can't go through life like this anymore, scrambling, running around, trying to find somebody that can help take care of my need when nobody is going to be able to meet that need except God. You'll learn real quick, after about one or two of those times, your bell gets rung and you realize I need to know what to do when trouble comes knocking at my door. I've had trouble knock on my door a lot of times in my life. Um, as a uh, young teenage boy, after we went to Bible college, getting in, into my marriage, and then coming into the pastorate here at the church, I've had a lot of trouble knock at the door. And there have been times I felt like I knew what to do, and I tried to handle it on my own, and I could not handle it on my own. When you try to handle something that you were never intended to handle, guys, you fall apart, which is by design. God never wanted you to figure out some things. Some things are just God things. And the sooner you learn that you run to God during those times, the sooner you'll realize God can help me in the very, very worst of times. Nothing can come our way that God does not have the solution for. I believe that's what Psalm 46 is about. At least that's what it's about for me. I've read this passage with many, maybe some of you, in the hospital before, and those who were beside very, very sick loved ones or someone that was dying or someone that has had a traumatic event. I've used this psalm, and I love Psalm 34. But let's, let's look, if you will, tonight. I want us to uh, just kind of break down. We won't look at every verse in detail, but we'll look at the first several ones and then some that uh, follows at the end, all right? So first of all tonight, David begins with giving a description of our God. I want you to look at it again and listen to how he describes God in these first three verses. Matter of fact, they're such good verses. Would you read them out loud with me? Uh, Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3. Are you ready? Um, verse 1, the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, 
though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, and then pause. What a description of God. And if you let that really sink in, it is very settling for me when I stop and realize that number one, God, God in this room here tonight, God who inhabits my heart, God who loves me and guides and directs my life, He is my refuge and He is my strength tonight. I know the United States, I'll, I'll read news articles frequently, and, and many times, some of the news articles that I will read about is how the United States has come out with a, another new weapon and that it's uh, how powerful it is and, and how it can help protect our coastlines and, and our skies and so forth. And I know the United States boasts of having the most formidable military in the world, and I believe we do have the most powerful military, and uh, our technology far exceeds anybody else's in the world. It does. Uh, America is the most feared country in the world when it comes to its military might. If you heard that you were in a, uh, uh, some kind of a military skirmish and you heard that uh, the United States is on their way uh, to attack or to fight against what you are trying to do, it strikes fear in the heart of men. I, I don't know if you remember the, uh, the war in Iraq how the, when uh, America's soldiers and their tanks were rolling up, the, the Iraqis were running out of their rat holes and running up with their hands up in the air, throwing their guns down, and didn't want anything to do with, uh, with the armies of America. Uh, so I understand we have a tremendous force and we have tremendous might in our country. And yet, can I please say this tonight, with all of that, God is our refuge and strength. I don't have great hope in America's military and technology unless God's hand is on America's military and America's technology. I mean, you can have all the physical might in the world. You can have every soldier in the world lined up, and uh, you still have no chance unless God is your refuge and your strength. Psalm 75 and verse 7. Let this sink in for a minute. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Let's put that into the military might. So when our, battle, our, our uh, battles take place and America gets involved and we're going out with all of our might and with all of our technologies, I, I'm just saying tonight that it's really up to God who's going to win that war. It's not up to what uh, strength somebody else has or, or the might that they seem to demonstrate or how fearful they may seem to be. God is the one that puts one up and sets another one down. And if he's the one that knows how to do that, I want to be in or on his battlefield or, or in his hand while the battle is taking place. Men and countries would have no strength at all unless God was their refuge and their strength. You go back and read the history of America and look at the battles that we have fought and look at the wars that have been won at the hands that America has been involved in. And we've won a lot of wars and we've taken care of a lot of worldwide issues. It's almost like we're the world's policemen in some ways. But what I do know is this, that God is the one that is bringing about the victory in the life of, uh, of our soldier boys. 
So God is the refuge and strength of those who have won their battles and those of us who have gained any kind of victories in our own personal life. If you have lots of victory in your life, if you're able to accomplish a lot of things and maybe you seem to have a lot of talent and a lot of things seem to be going your way and it's just everything is falling in place for me, I just need to tell you, don't become so self-confident to where you feel like I'm doing pretty good. Please continue to say, God is so good. So I'll be, every now and then we'll stop and give a little time to give some praise items, to give God the glory in our life and to make sure that everybody knows and understands this has nothing to do with me. God is the one who is providing for us. Here's what I love so much. And this is the, this is the thought that I cling to during some real difficult times in my life. A refuge, what is a refuge? A refuge is a place to run when you're in trouble. That's as simple as that. It's a place to hide. Corey Tin Boom talked about her hiding place. And her hiding place was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though she was in captivity, she had a hiding place that she went to in her heart and in her mind. And a, a refuge, since God is our refuge and strength, it's the place where the Christian immediately runs to God. I don't know what happens to you when you get into trouble. And I don't know when things get really bad, and I mean scary bad. You know there's real genuine danger that, that could be happening to you, your family, or someone that you're involved in. But guys, you better learn real quickly that you need to know how to run to God. Get a hold of the Lord immediately. Don't make God third or fourth place down the line somewhere. Make sure you get a hold of God immediately. God is our refuge and strength. Listen carefully to this verse in Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. So why would you go running anyway? Why are you running uh, toward a tower in the first place? Because something's behind you. You don't want to catch up with you. There's something really fearful in your life. There's something happening to you that you don't want to happen to you, and you don't know how you're going to be able to handle it, and you don't know how uh, the need is going to get met and how things are going to be uh, taken care of. I, I don't know what's going to happen if this really takes place. And I'm just telling you, God is letting us know here tonight that God's name is a very strong tower in opposition to everything else that's in the world. If, if I can just learn and understand, okay, it's one thing when, you're, when you've got a burn to go and pour cold water on it, but when there's some spiritual issues taking place in your life and there's only one that can handle that, learn immediately to run to the tower. I, I tell God that. Lord, I run to the tower of God. I need to be uh, resting in you tonight. There are things right now in my life that I must have God's hand in. I cannot handle this. And the sooner you learn to run and turn to God, you say, preacher, you think it's really just that simple? I think it's that simple. I think God is very complex, but it's very simple to run to God and to find that God will be my refuge and my strength. God is the ultimate fortress. I, I know I've read different books, some of you that are war buffs. You like to read about uh, wars and battles and so forth. I, I'm not real big on it, but I've, I've read where they, these, um, the military might would build these uh, bunkers way underground and they would pour concrete and re reinforce it with uh, all these iron rods and so forth. And it would be many, many, many feet thick so that when the 
bunker-busting bombs, I think they would call them, come dropping down on top of you, they would be able to withstand any kind of bomb that might be dropped on, on top of it. But guys, God is the only refuge where nothing, not even Satan, is capable of penetrating. I don't care who the uh, military might is on this earth. Satan is so much more powerful than any human being or any, anybody's military might. And the devil knows how to get into your head. Satan knows how to get into your heart and your mind and strike such an ugly fear that it's driven Christians out of church. You and I know that. We've been in church long enough to see people who are no longer filling the pews and no longer a part of the house of God, and largely in some cases due to some event that has happened to them. They did not know how to handle that. And Satan pounded into their heart and into their minds. And yet if you can learn how to run to God and find in the Lord that God is that bunker that nothing else can penetrate, that if I can get into the tower of God, and if I just run to the Lord and say, God, I need your help, God will immediately turn to us and be the strength and the help for us. God will begin to pour into me what I need to be able to make it through that difficult day and time. Also, it says that God is our strength. God is our refuge and strength. I mean, God knows how, please guys hear this, God knows how to build up a war-torn heart. Do you know what I mean when I say war-torn? You've been in a battle, you've been involved in something in your life that's been going on for a long time, and you fought it, you'll come to church, you're still serving God, you're trying to be faithful to the Lord, but this battle rages with you, and Maybe you'll go to bed at night with these thoughts in your heart and in your mind and, and, uh, and you're just losing your, your strength because of that and you just try to keep fighting and you just feel like, I don't know if I can just keep going on like this. But I'm telling you, God is also our strength. He gives courage and energy to the weary soul. And no matter what the enemy has done to our life, uh, God can surpass that with his strength. God can build you back up. And when I don't have any strength, God becomes my strength. Uh, when I am weak, what does the Bible say? Then am I strong because my strength is all gone and God realizes I've stopped struggling and I only have one source left and that's God. And God says, finally, now I can work in your life. And God begins to give the grace and the strength that is needed in the heart of a Christian. God becomes our strength. There simply is no force of evil that can reach the child of God who runs to him for refuge and strength. David continues on. He goes on with this description with describing God as being very, a very present help in trouble. I, I know you look up in the sky about this time of season and you can see geese flying. Guess which direction? They're not going north. They're going south because um, they're trying to get away from the trouble. <laughs> and the geese may disappear when, when uh, they're in trouble, but thank God, Jesus Christ, all he does is draw closer to you. When trouble comes to me, he doesn't run and hide and disappear. God just comes and draws closer to us. I know that um, in our two prayer meetings tonight, I know... At the top of our list, we were praying for Dahlia. 
And I, I, I'm not a social media person, and I miss a lot of things that are out there. I miss a lot of good things. I miss a lot of bad things, too. But consequently, I also miss some very good things, and I, some have come and shown me some of the um, little posts that uh, Dahlia has put out there about her trust in God and thanking God that she is going through this and that God was so good to allow her uh, to be the one or something to that effect. It just uh, You sit back and say, how does somebody in her condition do what she does? Because God is very present in trouble. Makes himself manifest in such ways that you'd never see him before uh, when you're on the mountaintop. Who needs God's presence when you're on the mountaintop and everything's good and money's thick in the wallet and you've got lots of food in the fridge, cars running well, don't have, don't have it in the shop and on and on you can go, uh, everything's so good in my life. Who cries out to God with tears in your eyes when things are good, but when things are tough and they're difficult? God just runs to that person. God wants to be very close to that person. He, he longs to, if you would just learn to turn to God during times like that. He is a very present help in my trouble. Then secondly, David goes on from there and continues with the results of realizing this description of God. If I can get it in my heart and my mind, if I can realize that really and truly God is my refuge and strength, and God wants to be my help, and, and He doesn't want to see me in trouble all by myself. And I realize that He draws closer to me at those times than at any other time in my life. When I get that in my heart and mind, then there's a result that comes from realizing that. I love this. So look in verses 2 and 3. David gives the result of, of realizing that uh, strength and refuge God is for us. Here's what happens. Verse 2, Therefore will not we fear... Though the earth be removed. I mean, who does that? Who's ever seen the earth removed? Come on. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Has anybody ever seen that happen? (laughs) Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. In spite of all those unbelievable things happening in somebody's life look what he said at the beginning of verse 2 therefore will not we fear it is amazing what fear can do to you it's amazing how it can drive you uh, from serving it can drive you from sometimes from uh, your your time with God you're just so fearful you can't think straight you don't know what's going to happen and your mind is just you're going crazy with this ugly dark fear that works in a Christian's heart and mind and the devil knows that but when I realize that God is my refuge and God is my strength all these things can happen and yet that fear is removed from my life it takes the fears uh, away in the Christian life I've quoted this verse enough, you're probably very well aware of it. 1 John 4, 18 tells us, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. Would anybody say amen to that? Fear torments me. It it drives me crazy, and my service to God just is no good when I am fearful like, like I've been so many times in my life. So David describes, guys, the most overwhelming things that could attack a Christian. I mean, look at it again in verse 2. Though the earth be removed, 
though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. I mean, you understand what he's saying there? The earth has never been removed from anybody's life, but in your circumstance that you're going through, it feels like that. It is that devastating to you. It is so, let's put it this way, earth-shaking that everything that seemed solid in my life is now shaken to its core. And everywhere I turn, nothing seems to be solid. And I, and I run to this thing, and I, and I don't find any security. And I run to this thing, and there's no security. And where I'm standing now just doesn't seem solid, and you don't know what you're going to do. You're only as good as if the earth had been jerked out from under your feet. And this thing is so monumental to you compared to all the other things that have happened in your life. When you look at it, it's as big as if somebody could grab this huge mountain. Can you envision that? And carry it over to the ocean and drop it into the ocean and realize, wow, that took something really, really big for something like that to happen. And what he's saying is, when things that big happen to the Christian's life, it does not matter. Once I get it settled in my heart, that God is my refuge tonight, that if I run to Him, everything's going to be okay. And if I get it settled that when I don't have any strength whatsoever working in my life, I tremble and I shake and I don't know if I can get up and even do the will of God. But when I get to God, He is that strength. And He gives me everything that I've been missing for the last however long I've been troubled, as troubled as I was. But I get to God and, I, and I, I kneel down before God and I cry out to God, Lord, I need my refuge and my strength tonight. When you get it settled that God will be for you that refuge and strength. Mountains can be thrown into the water and you're solid. The earth can be taken out from under your feet. The worst of things in this world could happen to you. And you still stand solid and strong and tall. And you realize, I, I know it's tough right now. And I know I'm very tearful right now. But I know I'm going to make it because God has taken my fear away. There is no fear when you recognize that these troubles now belong to God. They no longer belong to me. When we're safe within the castle of His refuge, none of those things are scary anymore. My, uh, myself... And um, my sisters um, went back in the woods back uh, behind our house, and uh, there was this little waterfalls, and there was this pool after the waterfalls, and it was, it was waist deep, and man, it was a really, really hot summer's day in Ohio. And mom let us uh, go back and go swimming in the, in the swimming hole back there. So we were back there swimming and having a great time, and my, my neighbor Bobby comes running down uh, the path, and I heard him screaming, Philip, Philip! And I looked up like, Bobby, what's wrong? And then I looked up above Bobby's head, and the sky was just like nighttime. And it was the middle of the day. Nighttime moving our direction. There's a tornado coming our way. And man, we tore out of that water and tried to put our shoes and socks on and tried to take off running. And about that time, my older brother had gotten back from baseball practice, and he comes tearing down into the woods. Come on, guys, we got to get out of here. And, and we took off running, and about that time, the wind hit. And uh, the rain was pelting like needles. And there was a tornado right in the area. I never saw it. But I, uh, limbs were breaking out of the trees all around us. It was really, really scary. We finally got up through the woods and made it to the back of our garden. And walking through that garden, my sisters were grabbing a hold of the fence to try to uh, 
stand up. I mean, the winds were just horrible. And my brother was trying to scream so we, we could hear him. Don't grab the fence if lightning strikes. He didn't want us to get struck. And man, we trudged through that garden and made it all the way back into uh, our yard. And when we got into our yard, the big apple tree in the backyard was laying flat to the ground. I mean, it was a big tree. Roots were uprooted. It was, uh, it was a sight. And I remember getting to the house and finally looking up. And again, the rain's pelting. And I could see my mom at the back window standing there like this just praying to God, and she thought she was losing her kids. And I just remember the door opening up, and I remember running inside the house, and Mom just pulled me up next to her and waiting for the rest of them. And I remember once I got inside the house, the storm didn't stop. It just kept on pounding for a long time after that. But I felt so safe once I got inside. It felt so good. Just feel the arm of my mom around me and to be inside the house and all of us come in and, and uh, the whole family was safe. It was, a, it, was a, it was a sight. I just know that when I get inside his house, the storm still goes on. And, and what's wrong is still wrong outside of his house. But when you learn that God is the refuge and your strength, when you get there, it's okay. And he puts his arm around you and you just know that God's it's been there all along, but just to know that I'm safe in the castle and that he is my refuge and he is my strength does the most unbelievable things for my heart and our life when we learn the secret. And then David explains how this happens to us when we run to God. Look in verses 4 and 5. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. So the city of God here is obviously Jerusalem, where the tabernacle and the presence of God would come down upon that. Uh, Shekinah glory would come down. And the, you say, what is that river that flows? It's not necessarily that God is referencing a real river that flows there. We're talking about God's refuge and, and uh, the ability for the Christian to run to God. So what is, he, what is he talking about? So the river that flows here and makes the city glad is the, please hear this, it's the river of God's grace upon his children. There is a, there is a river the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the place where God's people dwell. And as the river of God's grace comes flowing right on by, uh, it does something miraculous for us. This is how this happens. It happens by the grace of God. Uh, to get inside that castle and to be standing beside God, I understand His presence is, is amazing. But it's amazing because of the grace of God that gets poured out upon you. I mean, the river flows strong and mighty and yet very calmly, and it washes away all the reasons that I have to fear. When I get in the castle and that, and that river flows by me so calmly, it's such a strong current and yet it's so calm. It catches all those things in my life that could, uh, that could cause me to fear. It washes those things away from my heart and my mind. When we were growing up in my house, you're going to wish you grew up in our house, we had five kids, and 
we got Saturday night, one tub of water. One. And we bathed in order of um, uh, age. <laughs> so my brother got to take his bath first. Soap and shampoo. Then my older sister, soap and shampoo. Guess who was next? Me. And honestly, you didn't even need to pick up a bar of soap after that. All you had to do was get in that water because there was soap and shampoo and that water. And when you got out, you smelled like soap and shampoo. You really did. I mean, it was years, years and years later before I realized that the first guy that got in the tub could actually see the bottom of the tub. <laughs> but the time I got in there, I mean, I don't take baths anymore. I shower. Anybody say amen to that? All right. And you guys like to take baths. Good for you. I'm just telling you. You soap up in the tub, you got scum across the top of that water. I know the story. It's scum. It floats right across the top and it coats the side of your bathtub. I know that. That's what a towel is for. You scrape the scum off after you get out of that bathtub. <laughs> My bath just left you smelling like soap and shampoo. I don't know how clean I got. But I will tell you this. When you get into the grace of God and you run to him for refuge and that river, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. That river flows through my heart and soul. I promise you this. It's cleansing to the core. It doesn't leave any fear. It takes care of all the issues that I might have been dealing with. God knows what I'm going through, and God knows that I need to hear from Him, and, and I need to know that His grace is there for me, and that it's carrying me, and that it's lifting away all those things in my life that could cause me to want to sometimes get away from the Word of God, and maybe not even be at the house of God. God cleanses those things away from me. Always such a pure uh, river of God's grace that washes away all those fears, doesn't leave any residue. That's the grace of God. That's why Paul could say so many times to the churches that he wrote to, grace be unto you. So if he says grace be unto you, then you understand why he would say, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when the river of God's grace is flowing by, it brings the peace of God that passes understanding. He told the Corinthian church, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And again, God can make this river flow past you tonight. Let, let, me, let me refer to one more verse tonight, and I know I could go on with every one of these, have such good and uh, real tasteful meaning to us tonight. But let me give you um, one more thought here tonight. Look in verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Look in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Twice God said that to us. So you remember the story when Isaac and Jacob and Esau, Isaac had those, those boys, Jacob and Esau. And if you remember, Jacob was the one that received the birthright instead of Esau. Um, and Esau had made the statement that when his daddy was gone, he was going to kill his brother. And so uh, Jacob's mother sent him away um, to her relatives and uh, so basically sent him off to run for his life. 
to uh, run to his mom's household to be safe. Do you remember the story on the way there out in the wilderness? Uh, Jacob stopped, pulled a rock up for a pillow for his head, and dreamed that night about angels ascending and descending on that ladder to heaven, if you remember that story. But what stands out to me so vividly is when he woke up, he made the statement, surely the Lord is in this place. Listen to what he says. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And later on, just a verse or two later, he said, this is none other but the house of God. I slept here right in the very place that I will now call the house of God, and the Lord was in this place, and I didn't even know it. I mean, twice David made the statement, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob. Think about that. The God of Jacob is our refuge, and then Selah. I know when God says something once, it becomes eternal, and it is important. But when he says it twice, then it's obvious, guys. God is wanting us to truly get what he's trying to say. And there's a whole lot of meaning to that. But can I tell you what it means to me tonight? If Jacob, who was running from the trouble with his brother, I mean literally running for his life, if Jacob had the presence of God with him and he didn't even know it, how many times have we been in our trouble running out of fear, running away from whatever is causing fear in our life and didn't even realize that God was there the whole time, ready to be my refuge and my strength, a very present help in trouble. And here I was running around trying to take care of my life's needs all by my little self, and God was there the whole time. I would say that even tonight. Uh, Maybe we just need to pause and be still and know that he is God tonight. Stop doing our little running around and trying to fix things myself and just be still and turn to God and say, I need my refuge. God, I need my strength tonight. I don't have what it takes for what I'm experiencing, what I have been through in life, and what I'm going to experience in the future. I don't have what it takes, but I know the one that does. And I want to turn and run to the one who gives me safety and strength in my life. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.